Dead Bodies is not for the squeamish and is intended for mature audiences. Fluttering in my ear. It's a real issue for me. What have you moment. got? I don't know. Fluttering I'm in your falling ear. Apart. My back's fucked. My ears fucked. How do you still look perfect then? I Sound don't. Fine, but it's a look constant like a fucking anyway. wreck. Um, <laughs> I look like you do not look like a fucking. I do. Wreck. My skin has got. I don't know. Do you know what I think it is? I think it was there. So we got sent. Here's the good part about oh, doing a show on like a major shift. Yes. On a good radio station is that you get sent stuff. I know, it's And fun. we got sent the other day, Kirsten and I, a tower of Nutella eclairs. Oh, was it for Nutella Day? Yeah, World yes. Nutella Day. Yes. With a big chocolate tower thing in between. So I'm not that crazy about Nutella, but I was so there for the chocolate on the inside. I couldn't stop eating it. It was dark chocolate. We were eating it like corn though, weren't we? We were and like just chomping off the yes. Nutella bits. Oh, and my God. Sort of and f- yeah. and so by the end of the day, I felt slightly sick. But then now I've just got like pimples, pimples. I have the complexion of a chiquito. I've only been. <gasps> I do. It's like a crumpet. Don't look too you closely. Don't. I've only been sent one thing in my entire life, like as a media thing, and it was a um, a package of acne pills. Oh. That's unpleasant, isn't it? Yes, mm. and a bit rude. You yeah, don't need them. Yeah, need them. I don't know why they sent them to me. They were like, you know, if you could post about them, it would be great. And I was like, No. Did anyone else get a, them? A, I'm not. T- a couple of other journos <laughs> in the newsroom, and I was like, A, I'm not going to take random tablets that have been sent in the mail yes. that I know nothing about, and I don't feel I need them. So no. no. Mm. As if you can be bought just for the price of a packet of something. Right. How dare they? I know. How dare they? Well, we have a shit ton of feedback. We'll do it then. So Mm. we're going to blaze through some of it because, you know, we're back on. So people are going to keep writing. So that new laptop. I don't remember you bringing your laptop in before. No, it's the same one I've always had. Same. Um, email from Ashley. She says, hello, beautiful ladies. Many nice things about you all and the show. Cute. Cute. Sorry about the long story, but I want to share the most unbelievable story of mine and my husband's life. Mm. I think you don't go in hard with the, you're not going to believe this. This is unbelievable. Because you've got to go in low and surprise them. You can't tell people how to write feedback. (laughs) It's Ashley's story. She She says, she's pumped it up so big. She says, it sounds crazy, but. I swear every word is true. Okay. Do you know what I believe? No, I'm ready. I'm in. Curse is in. You stay over there. I'm intrigued. Two years ago, we were on holiday in Bali with our two young girls who were aged five and eight months at the time. One evening, I was laying in bed reading a book while our baby had a bottle and went to sleep. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, I heard a female screaming out, mum, right next to my ear, about five times. Oh. The voice can only be explained as loud and one of pure terror. My natural reaction was to look up and I saw my five-year-old colouring on the bed in the other room completely fine. I got up and told my husband what I heard and we kind of just dismissed it. I feel like that's what Nicholas would do. He'd be like, you're crazy. You were sleeping. You were dreaming. The next day at 1pm, I was again reading in bed putting the baby down to nap, and the exact same thing happened. Huh? 
I also told my husband about this and said the place must be haunted and they just laughed it off. She says they even joked that the ghost must have been a tourist as it had no accent. Oh. I think that's quite interesting that yeah. she, they, she's picked up that didn't have an accent. Yeah. Around half an hour later, he walked into the room, her husband, in a real panic saying that he saw somebody put a Facebook post saying R.I.P. And she's put in brackets, sister's nickname. Oh. What? The worst possible way to find out, all because someone wanted to be the first one to share the news. So I think... Hang on, R.I.P. His mum has... No, his sister has yeah. died. Oh. And someone's posted it on Facebook and oh that's how they're God. finding out. And that's how he's found out his oh. sister's died. Earlier that day, I saw he had an email from his mum and forgot to tell him. So she'd seen this email, oh, she'd tell shit. him. The email asked us to call home because there was an emergency. In a panic, he had to run down the street to find a way to buy credit so he could call home. I can't imagine how he was feeling at that point, not knowing what was going on. Oh, God, that would be so hard. The news was worse than we could ever expect. The night before, which was Father's Day, his sister had been driving home and had swerved to miss a cow, then ended up driving into a dam. She drowned trying to escape. Oh. Escape oh, from no. her car. I believe the screams I heard were her calling out for her mum in that complete moment of panic. Wow. Screams I can I'm getting chills. Yeah, so I've got goosebumps. My hair standing up. Yes. Yeah, screams I can still hear in my head like it just happened. It's hard to write this without tears and my body covered in goosebumps. Mm. She said the same thing we've said. Wow. That evening, after putting the kids to bed, my husband and I sat up late drinking and crying. All of a sudden, my husband leaped up because a warm drip hit his shoulder and I saw it running down his back. We looked up and the stars were out without a cloud in the sky and there was nowhere that drip could have come from. She says, we think it was a tear. When I lay down in bed that night, all of a sudden, I felt like there was somebody standing behind me and I was petrified and I couldn't roll over to look. I keep telling myself it's just our beautiful sister coming to visit and there's nothing to be scared of, but the feeling in my body froze me. I've had that frozen feeling before. Goodness me. The next day when my husband was having a nap, he jumped up and freaked out because he said he could feel someone pulling his leg. A few other things happen, have happened that day that made us feel like she was around us. But by that evening, we both had the clear sense that she was gone. We could just feel it. We did actually have a viewing and it was the saddest thing I've ever seen in my life. She was a small lady and looked so tiny in the coffin. As much as they tried, you could still see the bruise where her face had hit the steering wheel. Mm. A year later, we were visiting his parents where his sister lived. Mm. It was six in the morning and I was sleeping in the lounge room with one of my daughters when I heard the wooden bar that hangs on the front doorknob smack into the door and squeak the hinges as it opened and closed. I lay there listening to the wood banging and it slowly came to a stop and then I could hear someone moving like the swish of clothing. I was lying there angry thinking my husband had snuck out to drink with his friends all night and was waiting for him to come home around to come around the corner. Thinking he was drunk and had sat down behind the door, I jumped up to tell him off and there was no one there. I grabbed the door handle to look outside, but the door was locked. As I turned around, my husband walked into the lounge room and asked why I was walking around the front. (laughs) He'd heard the same footsteps as me. 
I told him about hearing the door open and laying there wide awake, listening to the wood banging against the bar until it came to a stop. I think my sister-in-law was upset with me because that morning I was going to take a coffee to her grave and watch the sunrise with her, but I hadn't, and the sun, but I hadn't, and the sun had begun to rise. Once again, I lay down, and that feeling of someone being there with me came over her again. Mm. She says it was so strong, my whole body was shaking. And I cried and I cried. My heart is racing and I'm shaking as I write this to you because I can still remember all of the events clear as day. As horrible as it was, I'm glad my husband and I shared this experience together because when you tell this story, people give you weird looks like you're making it up, Mm. but we know. Thank you. If you've read this, I really appreciate being able to share my story. Best wishes, Ashley. Oh, and which of us said at the beginning that they weren't going to believe it? I mean, that's rude. I believe it. I believe it. I believe it. it. Ever since I had that freaky thing happen to me in that hotel, remember when I was in Florida? Yeah. I believe it. Well, we keep doing, uh, because I've mentioned to you I've lost my beautiful father-in-law, Billy. Yes. And um, and I also took this from you about when someone has passed who mm. you love, just keep them in the conversation and, yes, and Kira my, and I will do that yes, a million times. And yeah. we refer to – so Billy always loved to have um, – because he's Irish and he would love a piece of bread with jam and he would fold it over. Yep. And so when Kieran wants to have a piece of bread and jam folded over, he'll say, I think I'll have a billy because I'll say, do you want a biscuit or a bit of cake? Oh, yeah. I think I'll have a billy. Yeah, beautiful. We call it a billy. We do, and there's to. been a couple of times um, the butterfly. There's been mm, butterflies yeah. at odd times and there was one the yeah. other day I was sitting watching TV with Kieran and a butterfly just flew directly at me in the window and then turned around and went again. Yeah. It came and then went. And there was another time the door went open. Mm. I, I just believe and, and I think Kieran, who's very – does not believe stuff like that, is I, now no, I, oh, I just, coming I around to believing it. Yeah, I think it's true. And we heard when we spoke to – Michael Scanlon, yep. he mm. said the cat and there were just the, and he had the, the rabbit. Yeah. And the, yes, yep. and just things were happening and I totally believe it. Yeah, little signs. Yeah. But it's you, you kind of know, you believe. If it's a, mm. this, it's you that will get the sign if you yeah. were close to the person. Do you want me to do my story and then you do some more of yeah. the feedback? Okay, all right, because I have for you, uh, this is an Australian story, which I think a lot of people might remember. It happened in 1979 up in Sydney. The ghost train tragedy. Do you know this one? No, no. Okay, because I kind of remember this because I was in my – I was at high school, I think. Had I started high school then? Yes, I had done. Um, A couple called Jenny and John Godson lived in a town called Warren in country New South Wales and they had two boys. Damien was five and Craig was four. And on June the 9th, 1979, they took the boys into Sydney to see Taronga Zoo and to go to Luna Park. So you can imagine that would be such a big deal. Exciting. So They're probably exciting. in Holden Belmont or a Commodore or something. Mm-hmm. Big day heading into the town. Now, unfortunately, they were going to catch the train in. But there was a train driver's strike, so they had to take a number of different buses to get into the city. You know how it always takes so much longer. Mm. So they got there a bit later than they had been expecting to. Despite all of that, though, they are having a great time. They went to the zoo. Then they had dinner, and then they were going to Luna Park in the early evening, which was a big thrill for the boys. They're uh, four and five years old. When it was time to go home from Luna Park – 
they had four ride tickets left. So I don't know how it works now, but it used to be that when you got to Luna Park, you then had to go to the little booth. Yeah, I think it's buy like the same. Mm. Yeah, tickets that you would then hand into the. Did a bunch of lights just come on in yes. the studio by themselves? Mm. Is someone yeah. going to come in here? Is that Billy? No. Why did all the lights come on? By themselves. I don't know. When the button is on the pan on the door behind me. The... Is that the button there? Yeah, I think that's it. That's the button that turns them on. And it was off just then. I've just pressed it again and turned them off. How come they came on? Why are you both looking at me? I don't know. <laughs> well, because you were a Billy person. <laughs> Did you bring a ghost home from Florida with you? Is that the only way you, you can turn the lights on in here? Yeah. Like no one can do it remotely? No. no. The light just came on. The switch said that it was off, but the light oh, was on. Oh, that's really freaky. And we were just talking about getting signs. Jesus Christ. Okay. Unless it's to do with the story I'm telling. I don't know. I don't know. So they had four ride tickets left. So the boys wanted to go on the ghost train. <laughs> now, at that same time, as the kids were going, oh, let's go on the ghost train, mm-hmm. uh, Jenny said she felt like some ice cream, which was weird for her because she doesn't particularly like ice cream. She didn't know why. She just felt like some. So she said to her husband and the boys, you go ahead to the ghost train ride. I'm going to get some ice cream and I'll meet you over there. Okay. So she headed over to the ghost train once she had her ice cream and as she walked towards it, she saw smoke pouring out of the ride. There was a massive fire and absolute chaos. Attendants were trying to get people off of the carriages. So the carriages were still coming out of the ghost train tunnels. Um, And so the attendants were trying to get people off of there. The firefighters had arrived. There was some sort of a problem with the water supply so Jenny said they ended up having to get the water straight out of Sydney Harbour because the um, Lunar Park in Sydney is right on on the harbour there. So people who were in the park were all evacuated and they just stood outside just watching help or see there was nothing they could do. There were people walking around dazed and confused. They were covered head to toe in soot and emergency services were doing their best work behind them. They said there were walls of flames as high as four metres. Wow. Amazing. One man who managed to get out of the ghost train, Frank Jahassi, told reporters later that he and his wife, Eleanor, were seconds away from death. So when the firefighters eventually got the fire under control, they were able to get inside the building and huddled together in one of the tunnels were the bodies of Jenny's husband, John, and the two little boys, Damien and Craig. In another section of the ghost train were the bodies of four Year 7 boys from Waverley College. These four boys had been friends since they'd been in kindergarten together. They'd gone to Saturday Night Mass, and then they'd gone to Luna Park. So their names were Jonathan Billings, Michael David Johnson, Seamus Rayleigh, Rayleigh, and 13-year-old Richard Charles Carroll. Uh, and so for one of the boys, Richard's mother, it was 24 years before she was able to return to Luna Park. And she mm. said, I just couldn't bring myself to walk through that jolly gate. She said, I uh, uh, I guess we feel that's where the children died. That's where they were virtually buried. So a fifth friend who had been with that group of boys, a young man called Jason Holman, he was travelling in the ghost train car behind the other ones and he got pulled out by an attendant, so he survived. And Jenny, the mum who had the ice cream, 
She said later that when she was waiting outside for any word what had happened to her family, she was aware of someone standing next to her and it wasn't until a few years ago um, she didn't realise who that had been but it ended up being Jason Holman, the boy that should have Mm. been with that group of boys. Um, So they both ended up becoming lifelong friends. They were bonded by the tragedy, which uh, I I don't know how anyone could understand what it was like other than them. Uh, Jenny says, we had a sort of survivor's guilt that we're here and they're all not and it still haunts us both today. So police speculated that the boys had climbed out of their cars and tried to find a way out. Mm -hmm. If they had stayed in the cars, they might have survived because the train would have automatically brought them back out again. Um, Other passengers said that they saw some empty cars exit the tunnel, but the cars were on fire. In total, six children and one adult were killed in the blaze. And for Jenny, the pain and the grief of losing her husband and children was compounded in the years after because there was an investigation, but it was widely criticised. And there were a number of inquiries. They didn't never got to the exact cause of the fire. At first, they thought it was an electrical fault. But then there were rumours that the fire was deliberately lit. So in 2007... This is 28 years after the fire. The niece of one of um, Sydney's most notorious crime figures, a guy you've probably heard the name of Abe Saffron. Yeah. So this niece told the Sydney Morning Herald that her uncle, Abe Saffron, was the one who started the fire. Now, he always flatly denied it. But this Anne Buckingham said that Saffron wanted to buy Luna Park and that he hadn't meant for anyone to die. So it's her word against his. I I, I lit a fire, but I didn't mean for anyone to die. Mm. Well, then why did you light the fire while the park was open? Well, he, he always denied it, that he or anyone working for him did do it. But Abe Saffron was uh, a suspect in seven other fires around the same time and he also denied being responsible for them. So Jenny Godson, the mother, she remarried. Her surname is now Poitavin and she said a man in Queensland contacted her and he told her he had a different theory. He said that he thought there was someone letting off firecrackers on that particular day. So she just doesn't know who to believe. Uh, There were two witnesses who said they saw bikies near or on the ghost train just before the fire, but their claims weren't acted upon by police or they weren't followed up at the inquest. So Mm. um, there's a photo which we'll put up on our social media that's become synonymous with the Lunar Park ghost train fire and it's called the devil horned man photo so it's a picture of one of the little boys that died damien godson and it was taken earlier in the day at circular key while they Mm -hmm. were on their day out and he's posing with this really i've seen the photo it is quite weird he's posing with this bizarre looking character it's a man and they a lot of people think it may have been one of the buskers that was working in the area on that day right but he's he's he looks like a devil he's got this really evil looking satanic headdress on and it looks like it's made from the hide of a dead animal or something and and it's got really these hollow black eyes and horns Mm -hmm. and he's got his arm around Damien uh they're at the the ferry terminals in the background and it's the last photo taken of Damien but um Jenny his mum says I'm not a religious person but I just feel it was all meant to be and the photo is part of a larger story we don't 
have a say in. And just one other thing on, because they still don't know whatever caused it. At mm. the time of the fire, there was a Sydney businessman by the name of Nathan Spat and another called Leon Fink, and they had the lease on the park, but only on a weekly basis. And they wanted a long-term lease so that they could carry out improvements, but they didn't want to make mm. any investments while they only had a week, week-to-week leases. Um, at a National Crime Authority hearing some years later, it was alleged that Abe Saffron lit the fire or had it lit as a trigger to evict them Mm. and to gain control of the lease of the park for himself. Right. So after the fire, uh, that week-to-week lease was not renewed and they called for new tenders and Luna Park reopened in August 1982. Another group called Harborside Amusements won the tender and they've got a 30-year lease. Um, but Abe Saffron's cousins and nephew were involved in this harbour site who had the new lease. Saffron controlled Arcadia machines, which supplied the pinball and amusement machines to the park. There was a Corporate Affairs Commission inquiry that couldn't find that Saffron had any actual or beneficial ownership of Luna Park. So in the two years after the fire, there were seven other fires, as I mentioned, that he was believed to be associated with. A New South Wales coroner, Neville Walsh, had recommended that Saffron and his associate, a guy who was called Todor Tosha the Torch Maximovich, be charged with conspiracy to commit arson and fraud, but they never laid any charges. Um, and an insurance clerk was found to be involved in several of the insurance payouts. But they never officially linked him to the fire. It was always just speculation. There's always money or something or there's always yeah. something murky going on, isn't there? Three little boys, well, six, six in total, <clears throat> and the father, John Godson, died as a result. Bloody I can hell. remember that happening, actually, because it's... If you're at somewhere fun, like a fun park, yes. yeah. especially where you're supposed to be being scared. Have you ever been I, – I went into a ghost train once, the one at Luna Park in Melbourne. Yes. But when the lights are on, it's oh. so weird. You went in when the lights were on? Yeah, it was Why? for a photo shoot for something. Oh. I can't remember. I went in with a mate I work with, Grubby. Um, yeah, it's weird because there's like pieces of net hanging from the ceiling and that's what hits so you that's on what the head when you go yeah. past. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Wow. There's another story. I must look it up. I don't There's like ghost story trains. in I America. Nah, I, I don't because I know that, that you go like you, you're on it and you're like statue, statue, yeah. and then someone touches your face and you're like, oh fuck me, that was a real person. Like I yeah. don't want it. I'm not doing it. No, I don't want real people in there touching you. There are real people in there. Yeah. There's a story in America, I must track it down, where there was a ghost train and, you know, there's like, oh, yeah, that lights up when you go past now, a spooky mm. coffin, whatever. Yeah. And, oh, yeah, hanging body. Mm. But they found out later that the hanging body was an actual body, that oh, someone had put what? it there and hid it there. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll find it. I'll find it and tell yous. Oh, it's a good place to hide it. Mm. All right, we've got a couple more feedbacks. We've got a message from Deb who we heard from recently and um, wondered what work she was doing in an industrial auto... Oh, yes. Yes, I remember that. Is it autoclave? Yes, she said that and we went, what? So she says, hello again. Thank you for reading out my message. I work in microbiology and we use an industrial autoclave to dispose of dangerous microorganisms. Sorry, and I burped at the same time. (laughs) Dangerous microorganisms. It's hot enough to get rid of any tissue and DNA, so you just have to get rid of the bones. Mm. Mm. She says, really enjoyed the Moore's Murders episode, by the way. It's still very present in Manchester, Mm. and it was and still is used as a warning to kids 
to not accept lifts from strangers. Mm. Mm, stranger danger. Odd fact, my mum worked for many years with the sibling of one of the victims. Oh, wow. Keith Bennett has never been found and his mother spent the rest of her life trying to find him. She says, here's an article from the Manchester Evening News from earlier this year featuring his brother Alan. In part, the article says, just before Christmas every year, Alan Bennett drives alone to Saddleworth Moor. Once there, he plays a cassette tape of a family gathering recorded by his auntie Jean. Emerging out of the chatter is a pure, clear rendition of the hymn Jerusalem. It is the voice of his brother. Jerusalem. Is that what it sounds like? Oh, I don't know. That's uh, probably... <laughs> Did you make it up or is that what it sounds like? No, Artistic there is. Okay. Yeah, Jerusalem. It is the voice of his brother, Keith Bennett, six months before he was abducted and murdered by Myra Hindley and Ian Brady. Alan, 62, has devoted more than 30 years of his life to trying to find Keith's remains. He was eight when his brother... Uh, who was 12, vanished. He wrote dozens of letters to both... Um, let me start again. He wrote dozens of letters to both of them in a bid to... E- oh, Jesus. <laughs> this is the hymn. Oh, it's quite a full-on song for a young boy to sing. Quite emotional driving yeah. to the more mm. listening to that. Oh, keep it song. as background. Okay, to your keep story. it as background. He wrote dozens of letters to both of them, and I'm that means Myra and Ian, uh, in a bid to extract clues from them. And in 1998, took the unnerving step of meeting Hindley twice in prison. I feel like this music shouldn't be happening now. I think it's. Oh, I thought they said Jerusalem. Hang on. Can you add the people that are washing their dishes to our... Well, there's got to be a chorus soon. Hang on, this will be it. Here they come. They're like they're building up to something here. Here's four. No, they're not. Okay. Hang on. Are they going to say Jerusalem? No, it's... Okay. Uh, So he met Hindley in prison twice. He was shocked on their first meeting to see her hobbling with a walking stick. She had dark hair and was wearing a trouser suit, nothing like he expected. Because she, in all the pictures that we see of Murray Hindley, she had that bleach bleach blonde hair, didn't she? Because he was shocked because he had that picture of her in his head. Alan said she started crying and put her arms around my side and said, I am so sorry for the trouble I have caused and the pain I have caused over the years and for being such a coward. Sorry is not enough. It's not. Sorry is just a word and sometimes it is not enough. Mm. Next thing, she was sat next to me and said, I do want you to know that I never touched Keith. I never murdered him, but I am as guilty as Brady because I put him in the car. I knew what was going to happen to him, but I never laid a finger on him. She did seem genuine in her desire to help and was genuinely upset. She said she thought Keith was in the vicinity of Hograin, which is near uh she says it's near a lay-by off the A635, but quickly becomes hidden from the road. The location leads to Shiny Brook area where police believe Keith was murdered. He asked Hinley to have 
oh, hypnosis in a bid to help unlock her memories Mm -hmm. uh, of the day Keith was taken, but she never did. Mm. Two days before Alan was meant to meet Hindley again, uh, the meeting was cancelled because a police officer had a family crisis. A few days later, Hindley suffered an aneurysm took, and she took six months to recover. Um, she said she could not cope with seeing him again. Hmm. So that was the end. I'm not sure then whether she was helpful at all. In I, the yeah, I'm going to say... All the tears in there, I'm sorry, sorry, but didn't actually do anything to properly yeah, help. I'm going to say she wasn't helpful at all. Nope. Yeah. Rot in hell. Rot in hell. Right. Do you want to do a feedback? Or you want me to keep going? I don't mind. Are there lots? We may as well whiz through them. There's three. I'll whiz through one. Go. No, I won't. I'll give it the airtime it deserves. Okay. okay. <laughs> How many minutes are we, Kirsten? Uh, about 28 or Oh, that's far not oh, enough. No, that's keep far going. not enough. Read slow. Righto. <laughs> From Beck. Hi, ladies. Nice things, nice things. I can't give people voices again, can I? That's no, we've had an issue no. with that. Yes. It's a new year. It's a new year, new you. <laughs> no. Do it. Fight the urge to not do it. No, no, I won't do it to Beck. She seems <laughs> lovely. In between listening to your podcast, I recently stumbled across, an, across another podcast called The Perfect Storm about Lindy Chamberlain. Oh, my mum's listening to that while wearing massive headphones. Good on her. Like she doesn't just use the little... Nah. Subtle yeah, no, apple ones. Mm. She's and I said, Mum, if someone breaks into your house, mm. they're not going to hear. She's not going to hear it happening. <laughs> she's like beats by Dre. Yeah, like <laughs> literally, literally, they're so big. And she's very cute, though. Aww. She loves it. She's been listening to our that. podcast, and the only feedback I got was, "We're very funny." Oh, that's cute. Thank that's you. That's what we got. Thank you. Yeah. So she's been listening to the Lindy Chamberlain one. Yeah, she was listening to that. that. The perfect song. Hmm. Uh, everyone knows the tragic story of Azaria. Michael. Michael. The dingo's got the baby. That's the one. Well, everyone around the world knows the dingo's got my baby. What was she wearing? A white matinee jacket with lemon lining. Um <laughs> Let me see. But I'd love it if you guys could tell the story of David Brett. Who's David Brett? I can't find a great deal about his death or life, except he was a British tourist who fell to his death climbing Uluru. Apparently he was into the dark arts. Mm. In 1986, which led to police finding Azaria's matinee jacket, which led to Lindy's release from jail. Well, that's very interesting. I didn't realise that. I did wonder how they just suddenly stumbled across the jacket, yeah. the white matinee jacket with lemon lining. Well, yep. um, so he must have fallen and that's why they went to the – oh, okay, we will look into that. On the dead buddies, bodies front. Dead buddies. <laughs> same <laughs> dead thing. Dead bodies. I've seen countless as I'm oh. an emergency nurse from a busy Sydney oh. hospital. We have so many – Cops and nurses. And nurses. I love it. Yeah. yeah. We've got At the coal face. And what are we? We're just pretenders and you guys have got the real shit going on. Uh, let's see. I'm an emergency nurse from a busy Sydney hospital. The worst one by far wasn't even while I was at work. It was on the way to work. A lady had been hit by a car and her body was still on the middle of the road. Police had only just arrived mm. and were diverting traffic. I remember thinking how cold she must be and that they should get her off the road. That was over 10 years ago and it still sticks with me. I'm a bit superstitious and won't go into a room on my own where there is a body. Nice things. Beck. Wow, Beck. I think you can do better than that on the dead bodies front, though, Beck. 
yeah, let us know. Well, can we have some, some of the stuff. more recent ones, um, please? Message from Dylan. He says, hi, Dead Bodies team. Nice hey, things and season's greetings. Um, I've just watched the Netflix documentary, Don't, Don't Fuck, Fuck With Cats. Yes. Yes, um, which we spoke about in the last episode. Mm-hmm. It's the story of Luca Magnotta. Oh, you've given the name away. People have been Googling it now. Don't Google it. No, but Don't. I'm hoping that they would have listened yes. last week right. and now they know. And seen it. Gotcha. In the next, the next sentence Dylan writes is all caps. And I am shook, yes. exclamation <laughs> yes. mark, exclamation mark. This is, I've never heard this before, and this is very funny. My brain is broke, <laughs> exclamation mark, exclamation mark. That suits you. You can use yeah, that. My yeah, my brain is broke. It was just horrific. But the whole time I was watching, I found myself wishing that my favourite podcasters were delivering the story with the appropriate amount of hate aimed at the deprived killer. Yes. He is a real fucker. Depraved, oh. not deprived. Sorry. Is that you or him? That was me. Depri- depraved. No, no, he says deprived. It should be depraved. Well, deprived is it? I don't care what he's gone without. No, his brain is broke. His brain is <laughs> yes, yes, cursed. Gotcha. I know, but he's right. Luca Magnotta is a real. Oh. He is so fucking – I wanted Piece to just poke yeah. him hard right in his eyes. Yeah. I wanted to pull his hair. I'm a kicker. Mm. Yes. Mm. I, wanted to, I like to kick, kick people when I'm mad. <laughs> <laughs> I would have scratched his face yes. as well if I could. Oh, I think this story would make for an amazing podcast with bulk opportunity for Dee's accents. Oh, look, Magnata. Yes. Yeah, he was like that, wasn't yes, he? Yes, I could have yeah. done some accent for you. Dylan says, it's a pretty epic tale. It will be amazing to have you both cover it. Definitely worth watching and hope to hear your take on this horrific tale of horrible, twisted shunt. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Dylan, great job. Thank you, Dylan, for adopting my swear language. (laughs) Who was hunted down by a Facebook page or did he do what he did because of the Facebook group hunting him. Oh. That was something they explored at the end, isn't it? Yeah. Or they sort of touched on. Yeah. He says, so shook, still shook, so shook, there are some <laughs> sick fuckers in this world. Mm. Love always, Dylan. It's a pretty bad story. It's pretty it's bad. The, it's, it's some mm. of the worst of the worst. Yeah. I, there's been a couple of stories I've looked at to do. And, and they're just too gone. fucked up. Can't do it. Yeah. Can't do it. Yep, Children yep, ones. Yep, yep. I, I know I've done some children oh, ones. But... I've covered some horrific. There is one. I won't say too much. I'll have to go back and check. It is so messed up that I know it was heavily suppressed because mm. it was so bad. Mm. Uh, the extent of the injuries inflicted on a woman by her husband, it wasn't random. I'm not saying that makes it any better. Um, it was just how does your mind think to do that to someone? Yeah. I might check and see where that suppression is. You know, it's I mean, a very full-on story to tell. Yeah. And also just what do we want to hear? Because there was mm. one story I was reading and, and it was a series of rapes and attacks mm. on young boys and I just I couldn't. couldn't I just couldn't it. in the end. Yeah, yes, well, sometimes I like to watch something light because mm. of what we do and because what if I do for work. That's why they make The Great Australian Bake Off. Well, no. You, have you watched Sex Education? Yes. Yeah. No. So good. It's it? another what Netflix is it? Like, special. Yes. It's so oh. good. There is no death in it. It is uh, an, a British mm. 
comedy about these two kids who are in high school, they're yes. best friends, yes. and the whole school is obsessed with sex. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, and they're talking about fingering people and blowjobs <laughs> and this one's having sex and why the sex isn't yep. working. And Gillian Anderson's in it and she's a sex oh. therapist and her son is one of the two the main, main characters. characters. Yeah. Yep. And so... Basically, in a nutshell, he starts running an underground sex therapy syndicate in the oh. school. It's hilarious. Oh. So if you have it, you know, and I know some people that listen to this are sick, some people work mm. in the industry. If you just want a light-hearted show mm. to put on and have a laugh, sex, sex education, education, don't watch it in front of your kids. Okay. They'll ask too many questions. Yeah. Well, that's healthy. Mm. There's one more feedback. Oh, okay. To finish. All right, let's go. Uh, This is an email from Livia and it says, Dear Dee Chanel and Kirsten, nice things, nicer things, nicest things. Yes. I really wanted to share this photograph taken at a cemetery in New Zealand in 2011. I guess you can call me a taphophile, T-A-P-H-O-file. Many of my holiday albums include gravestones from places I've been to. Oh, I did that in Tasmania. I took pictures of Mm. gravestones. Uh, Shirley sounds kick-ass, though I do wonder how much she loved the pokies. Okay, so hang on. There's a picture of Shirley's gravestone that Livia has taken. This is your life, it says on the headstone. Shirley Mae Butson, born New Year's Eve, 44, shattered our lives, 15th of August, 98, Proud husband and soulmate, Grand. Super mum of Corey, Brad, Daniel, Tanya, Karen. Special loves, grandkids, happiness and pokies. <laughs> Dislikes, heart attacks. <laughs> we love that you, mum. It, it does. Look. It says dislikes heart, heart attacks. attacks. We love you, mum and Nana, and there's a picture of the pokies on the side. No, they oh. put her and they've, photo. And they've done it like... photo on a headstone. Yeah. Her photo is in the pokey machine. That's so good. And they've done it like a page like out of This Is Your Life. That is brilliant. I so love that. We'll good. put that up on our social media. Uh, and Livia says, did you know that grave sites are recycled in Switzerland? When you die, regardless of whether you're cremated or buried, you're, buried, you're dug up after 25 years... And someone else gets the plot. 25? I've heard this in other countries where they do that and they compact the bones down. Uh, out with the old, in with the new. Old fa- Only family plots are left for more than 25 years. But these plots often only hold a maximum four people. My stepdad's family plot already holds his parents and the three sons are still living. Morbidly, this means whoever dies last won't get to rest in peace with the rest of the family. Mm. Last but not least, have you come across... Katie Gilchrist's brilliant book, Murder, Misadventure and Miserable Ends. It investigates death in colonial Sydney and includes plenty of dead bodies stories, many of which took place on streets I walk down every day. Highly recommend. Ooh, must look that up. Murder, Misadventure and Miserable Ends by Katie Gilchrist. Maybe we can track Katie Gilchrist down for a chat on our beautiful podcast. It's lovely. What if you want to write to us? You just email like Livia did just then. Deadbodiespodcast at gmail.com. Dead Bodies is created by DD Dunleavy and Chanel Vella and produced by Kirsten Lim Howe. Contact us at deadbodiespodcast at gmail.com.